Uh, why don't you go, go with me to Romans chapter 12. Okay, you there? Let's read the scripture from verse 1 of chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and that is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to this world. The, 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 the Greek is to the pattern of this world. So do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may, be, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect, or the word perfect is otherwise pleasing. This is the word pleasing. So a number of things on this. Um, this is a verse that I, I think if anyone's read Romans you, and or you've been into church, this is quoted all the time. The scripture is constantly read. I mean, I've preached it. I've walked in a measure of revelation of this. Um, in in a sense, the, the the understanding of don't be conformed to the pattern that this world portrays, but be transformed. So your life is actually transformed when your mind is renewed. I've walked in that revelation. But um, I read. I started reading a book by a young guy called uh, Daniel Duval, and he just in in a part of this book he just nails this. Understanding for me, as I read uh, parts of the book, it came out that this guy's talking about the renewal of our mind. This is what he's actually discussing: the practicalities of what that might look like. Because how many of you read that and you go, "That's good," but how do I renew my mind? You know, how do I? Because when you are, when you are renewed in mind, then you are transformed. Isn't that right? It says it here. Do, do not conform to the pattern of the world. We know that why? Because the system of the world, the pattern of the world, is is a demonic pattern. Why? Because it's run by Satan. We know that because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve handed over the keys of authority to the devil, to Satan, to Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. He's not the man with the pitchfork and the, the big horns and the, and the red tail. It's not Satan. Okay, That is a cartoon character that man has made up to lessen the effect of what he's really like. Okay, But he, he, he took over the authority that was actually man's. You and me had that authority. It was our role to govern earth under the authority of God. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we know this, that the only way for us to be transformed as Christians, after you saved, once you are born again, is to be renewed in your mind. Now that becomes a concept to most of us, and I've I've known that conceptually, and I've to some degree known it practically, and 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 by revelation. But my revelation has increased as of late, and so I want to bring something of that, because I was chatting to I wrote a a, a message to a young guy who, a lot of the time, he's constantly speaking about you know have positive thoughts, positive thoughts, but. Have you realized that all the positive thoughts you have and all the, the scriptures that you may quote over yourself doesn't actually transform your life? Have, has any of you found that? Because so you become frustrated. Am I doing it right? Am I, am I quoting correctly? Because, you know, that whole thing of we've got to have a, you know, as a Christian, have a positive mindset. And I've found myself quoting scripture, which is good because as you preach a word, as you proclaim a word over yourself, what it does is it, is it, it's a seed that does establish itself in you but it's not enough to just be quoting positive words of yourself there's there's actually a a real mindset that needs to shift in order for us to have our minds our lives transformed so a number of things and we'll hopefully get somewhere as we move through through the night but to start with we are we know we are, are made up of three parts human beings right we are made up of body, which is what you see before you. This ugly looking thing is your body, right? The, the soul or mind, which is, and, and, and then, sorry, and then the spirit. So your mind is really your, your will and your emotions. It's connected to, unfortunately, a lot of the time to the pattern of this world. 
and your spirit, which is on the day that you gave your life to Jesus, you were born again in spirit. But your body didn't change. Your body remains in this, in this realm, the, the terrestrial realm, the realm of this earth in which you were born, into this fleshly body, right? But your mind is, is what needs to be renewed in order for your spirit man, which is alive with God, not only with God, it's actually in Christ, in heavenly places. That's why the scripture says, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Is this making sense? Okay. It's very simple. The day you're born again, your spirit is brought back to life. It, it is placed into Christ and it is ascended into heaven and seated with him, connected eternally with him, never to be separated from him. But your body remains on this planet. None of us were taken up the day we were saved. I still stayed here, and I still had to fight through some struggles in my mindset to get myself to understand what it was like to be this so-called new creation. Does anyone face those struggles daily? Why? Because your mind's not yet renewed. The, the, element of the, renewing, the, the, the element of the renewal of the mind is that the spirit man connected to God, alive in Christ, you have the mind of Christ, now is filtering through your Mind, your mindset, your will, your emotions, your heart. And through that, when you come into agreement with the Spirit, then you start to live it out in the flesh. That, well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus lived completely in sync with his spirit man, his mind, and his body were completely in unison. That's why he did what he did. Jesus was a man. He was God who became man. We know that. I've preached about it before. It's, that is one of the most um, foundational revelations that we as Christians have to have, is that he was God who became fully man, laid aside his deity to take on the form of a man, and lived in that relationship with the Father that Adam and Eve actually lived with before they fell. Adam and Eve were perfect human beings. They walked with God in spirit and, and their, their bodies were completely under the governmental authority of God. And then they lost that through deception and through, through coming into agreement with a lie and deception. That's what, that's the key element of why man, how, how what we call sin entered into the world was when Adam and Eve, human beings, came into agreement with a deception and a lie. And that's why when God came into the garden and he called Adam and Eve, he didn't call Adam and Eve and, and he said, where are you? And we think that, that he, God already knew where they were. God was looking at them and said, where are you? What was God speaking to? He wasn't speaking to their flesh. He was speaking to the spirit man who he had breathed into. Where are you? I'm hiding away. Why are you hiding? Because I'm ashamed. Did you eat from the tree? Who told you you were naked? He was talking to their spirit man. When God communicates with you, he's not communicating to your flesh. He's communicating to your spirit man. But your flesh is also communicating. It's connected to the pattern of this world. And the, 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 the process of sanctification is not the process of becoming more holy. The process of sanctification is the process of having your mind renewed. As your mind becomes more like your spirit man, that's, that's the process of being sanctified. In, in reality, in spirit, you are justified immediately when you are born again. You are completely justified. There is nothing that is held against you. That's what justified means. Nothing can be held against you. But you are sanctified. You are being made more like Jesus as you come into agreement with the spirit rather than with the flesh or slash the pattern of this world. So there's three main kingdoms. That's what Daniel Duval says. Three main kingdoms that drive, that have influence, should I say. Three. Number one, the kingdom of darkness. Number two, the kingdom of God. And number three, the kingdom of men. And they all have their own way of operating. So, so what he uses is the word programming. That we are programmed. So we are programmed by the pattern of that kingdom. So God's kingdom has a pattern. We know that. It's clear in Scripture what the pattern of the kingdom of heaven is like. It's beyond what we can understand. But we look at Jesus as a model of what the pattern of the kingdom must look like when it is completely outworked 
100% through a human being in right relationship with the Father. That's Jesus. That's you and me, how we're supposed to be. That's how we were. That's how we, what we lost. And that's what we're meant to become. Okay, so you want to see what does the pattern of the kingdom of heaven look like? Go and read the scriptures. You shall see Jesus. That's what we are aiming for. You've got the pattern of, of darkness and you've got the pattern of the world. So the pattern of the kingdom. So the way the kingdom programs us, I'm going to use that word because he uses that word and it makes more sense to us. The way that the kingdom of heaven programs us is through revelation. When you, the, when you get revelation, not information, but when that information that you hear preached, how many times have you heard a message preached over and over and then one day something changes? You feel something shift in you. Has anyone had that? See, that's called revelation. The moment you get revelation, something shifts in you and you begin to be programmed by the system of heaven. Does that make sense? Okay, we'll get there. When you are programmed by the kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of men, should I say, when you are programmed by the kingdom of men, the kingdom of men operates through repetition. It's repeated things. You repeat the same thing over and over again. We call that tradition. A tradition is something that's replicated over and repeated over and over and over again. What is birthed out of repetition or or out of, um, uh, what did I just use now? Repetition and uh, tradition is is religion. Religion is, is what is caused when man continuously repeats the same thing over and over again. And we hold, Jesus actually speaks to the Jews about this and he says, you know, you, you hold, you are more concerned about the traditions of men than you are about the word of God. And we see that in the evidence, I mean, on other religions, but with, even within the Christian church, we, we see that people are so, so obsessed with, with the traditions that have been passed down through that denomination, through men. No, we, that's how we've done it. That that becomes more powerful and more, um, more elevated than the truth and the word of God. So we, we cannot shift in our mindsets because that mindset, that, that revelation from God that's been given to us actually opposes and goes against the tradition of our religion. And so we reject the truth of God and the revelation that God gives. And if revelation, as I spoke to you before, is not a lineal, it's a circular, it's spiral. Remember I said that? For those of you that weren't here, we think that that Revelation is a line that you you move from A to B in, in a in a line, but it doesn't. Revelation is circular and it's upwards, so it's a spiral staircase. You start with one revelation here, and as you grow in maturity, you you go round and you find yourself getting back to that same revelation, but you you seem to have more of it. It seems like you've gone to a higher level of understanding that truth. Does anyone ever get that? That's because you're moving upwards in revelation. Greek thinking is, is straight. And I said this before, that it, it, the, the Greek way of thinking is the, the, the shortest distance between A and B is a straight line. That's how the Greeks think. The, if I want to get from A to B, the shortest way to get there, the, the correct way of getting there is in a straight line. But, but in the kingdom, it's, it's the, the, the shortest way of getting there is, the, is however the journey looks. Because it's the, it's on the journey. If the journeys are, it's on the journey that you gain revelation. So we think because we're more Roman Greco, because that's what the, our makeup, we we tend to have a lineal way of thinking instead of a circular way of thinking. That's why when you look at the Book of Revelations that I've mentioned before, we think Revelations is a timeline. It's not a timeline. It's, it's impossible for it to be a timeline because there's a, it starts in one point where he gets taken towards Jesus and he sees him in all his glory. Then he gets called to another realm through a door and when he gets through that door, he begins to see a whole lot of things. At one point, he's actually standing and he's watching the lamb being slain when he cries about the scroll. It says, why are you crying? Because no one's worthy to open the scroll. And he goes, look, the lamb who is slain is worthy to open the scroll. Now, we know that Jesus was the lamb who was worthy to be slain, but he is the lion of Judah who is exalted. When he turns around, he sees a lamb as if it was slain, laying down there. What John 
the great apostle was actually seeing at that moment in time was he was looking at an event in the spiritual realm that he had witnessed physically in the, in the, in the earthly realm. He stood and watched Jesus die on the cross. He was the only apostle that saw that with the woman. So he sees the devastation of the so-called Messiah dying and, 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 they, and then all the apostles and everyone lost hope at that moment. Years later, he gets taken into heaven and he stands there and he actually witnesses what he saw as a, as a, as a devastation and a, and, a, and, and a disillusionment on earth. He now sees what happened in heavenly places and he goes, wow, this is what happened. When this lamb was slain, scrolls were opened. That's incredible. The same man got to witness the event from both the spiritual realm and an earthly realm. And then later on in the book, it says that he saw the dragon fall and with his tail he caught one third of the stars and he fell to earth. What was that event? Well, when Satan fell from heaven to earth, it says that he took with him one third of the angelic hosts with him. Who's the dragon? Satan. So how can he see that later on if he's already seen the lamb being slain before? Because he's not walking in a lineal pattern. He's walking in a circular pattern where revelations is surrounding him. And he's looking throughout space and time, outside of space and time, at the revelation of what was taking place throughout the ages of eternity. Come on, it's so simple. How did I get there? I don't know, but I got excited. That wasn't from the book, by the way. But anyway, traditions. Traditions reject revelation. You can also build tradition if you build around one man's teaching. That is religion to build around one man's teaching. We need the entirety of the body. When we start to build around the teaching of one individual person, and that individual person carries the revelation that brings freedom to everybody, you begin to make that person a savior. He becomes a demigod in your eyes. It's very dangerous. It's so slight because they might actually be preaching truth. But when someone who preaches truth becomes the person who is the only way to that truth, that person becomes your savior and not Jesus. Even if they're preaching Jesus. It's so slight. It's so subtle. But no one said Satan's going to come and say, here I am. He slips in like a serpent and he comes in and before you know it, you, you, you're gathering around one individual person. Teach us, teach us. He, he's got the truth. So and so is, they, they, whenever they, it's, it's not about that. It's actually the whole body. And then when you start hearing other truths, you start matching them up against that one individual who you've held up as your demigod. Religion, tradition. Before you know it, good things become bad. The gold and the silver that was given to the Israelites when they left Egypt became a golden calf that they bowed down to. How? It's so simple. The pattern of this world, or the kingdom of this world, should I say, programs you through repetition. This is how we do it. We sit in a facility that looks like this, and this becomes religious to us, as I said last week. And the third thing is the kingdom of darkness operates like this. It works and programs you through trauma, because trauma enhances fear. You get that? So fear is the pattern of the kingdom of darkness. But trauma, a trauma in your life will, 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 will teach you and program you how to come into agreement with the, the kingdom of darkness, the, to be programmed by the kingdom of darkness. So let me use an example that was very simple when, when, as I read through this book, this guy used an example of an individual person and and they, um, it just made sense to me. I was like, wow, that's actually the, the, so basic to understand it that way. But let me use Sean as an example. Come up here, Sean. I'm just going to use Sean as an example. So Sean from a young, and I'll, I'll use the exact same example that Daniel used because it was so, it was so easy for us to understand. So Sean from a young age is, is told he, he can't cook. He, he goes and he tries to make a meal when he's a young guy and he, it just doesn't work out for him. So the, everyone, it becomes a joke and it becomes funny, but Sean can't cook. Sean can't cook. So throughout his life, I'm just going to take him for a little walk. Throughout his life, Sean believes he can't cook. He's been programmed to believe that he cannot cook. Now, two things can happen. One day, Sean decides he's going to cook a meal. And if he cooks that meal and it's tragic, all it does is it reestablishes in Sean that he's a bad cook. That's what he's been told. He goes at it and he goes, well, that's what I am. I'm a bad cook. So it just it establishes, establishes him in that reality. For him, it's a truth. I'm a bad cook. And he carries on being the bad cook. 
But say Sean comes in, now this is the realm in which Sean has been living, and all of a sudden he cooks a meal, and it's good. Well, what happens now is something begins to shift in his mindset where he goes, actually, I'm not a bad cook, I made a good meal. So he starts entering into a renewing of his mind. And as he then starts pursuing, hang on, if, if, if I've been told my whole life, and this is not what he's saying, but I'm, I'm using a subconscious way of thinking. I've been told I'm a bad cook. I make a meal. Subconsciously, there's an, there's an elevation within him to begin to pursue, maybe to the simplest degree of going and buying a cookbook and then learning how to cook from a Jamie Oliver cookbook. To better himself. Now he's being transformed through an event that started to the process of renewing his mind. And as he begins to cook, and people go, wow, that's actually quite nice. Oh, hang on a minute, that tastes better. And the more and more Sean begins to do it, the more and more his mind is being renewed, he's actually becoming transformed, and he's being reprogrammed. Check, check. One, two. Good. So all of a sudden, he's, he's been reprogrammed by a different reality. He, he came to the understanding of that reality. His, his, that shift took place through an experience that he had. Okay, thank you. I don't know what he did, but it was good. I needed someone up here with me. So, <laughs> it just felt better. Okay. Likewise, the, the opposite can happen. You, you can believe in something, and then all of a sudden a tragedy takes place. I've had a tragedy in my life. I believed 100% from the day I was born again that, that I understood the full concept of the healing power that was in Jesus and the authority that he had given to human, humankind in relationship with him by the power of his Holy Spirit that we would see the sick healed when we laid our hands on them. And through experience after experience after experience, we experienced, we saw God come. We saw God fulfill that reality, that truth. And then one day in my life, a tragedy hits. And someone who I'm married to and was the love of my life, she dies after not seeing it. So that's a trauma that then it brings about what? A reap, it tries to reprogram you into fear that that is not, a, that that is not truth anymore. It tries to change your reality through a trauma. That's how the pattern of darkness works. And this is a constant battle in your mind. It's a constant battle for your heart. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means that you are living in the reality of your new nature, learning to find out. See, unsafe people don't face that battle. But safe people face that battle of going through the process of having your mind renewed to be more like Jesus, into the reality of his truth. But so many of us come into agreement, and this is a basic thing, we come into agreement with the pattern of this world or with the pattern of darkness. In Christianity... It's so evident. If you are never taught that you have been given a new nature and you, and you still remain a sinner, so as I said to Sean, you're a, with Sean, you're a bad cook, you're a bad cook, you're a bad cook, you're a bad cook. I'll try and make a meal. Bang, I fail. Um, I, I, I agree. I've been told I'm a bad cook. If that's established in me now as a truth, I'm a bad cook and I move on being a bad cook. And guess what happens? Sean will very, will, will, will probably not try to cook again. Because you'll just resign to the fact, I'm a bad cook. Let's bring that into this, into Christianity. You get born again, but in the church you taught, I'm a sinner. I'm still a sinner. No, you're still a sinner. You're still a sinner. Oh, I messed up. Just reiterates the fact that I'm still a sinner, so I live the rest of my life resolved to the fact that I'm a sinner. So which pattern now are you in agreement with? Because when you sin, when you act, let me, I'll use the word sin, but that's not the correct word in, in, the, in the Bible. The correct word is when you step into an act of the flesh. Paul speaks about that so clearly. Should we go on sinning? Is the word that the, the uh, ESV in that uses. Or, uh, um, but it should be the word flesh. When you, when, you, when you commit an act of the flesh, which means you've now given in 
to agreement with the pattern of this world, at that very moment in time, we are, if we are, if we are programmed by religion to believe that you are always a sinner and never been given a new nature, that when you sin or you do an act of the flesh, it is reestablished as a reality and a truth in you and you continue living your, your life in the lie that you were never born, that you were never made new. And if you were never made new, as shown by the teaching of tradition and then by an act in your life, if you were never made into a new creation and your, and your, your, your life journey, your process of sanctification under this lie is this, that I need to fight against myself to become more holy is actually the process of sanctification. See, the process of sanctification is this in religion. Stopping doing all the bad things in my life. That's the process of sanctification under religion. That is what the traditions or the, or the, the pattern under the kingdom of men programs you to do. Does that make sense? But under the kingdom, that process of sanctification is very different. The process of sanctification is not stopping all the bad things you're doing, but the process of sanctification is to become more like Jesus. Well, isn't that what stopping doing all the bad things does? No. No, it doesn't. To become more like Jesus is a constant walk with the Holy Spirit to take on the nature of Christ, to be led into truth. Under religion, it is simply this, that I need to, I need to read my Bible and get counseled so that I stop doing the bad things. Because I'm a sinner. And I'm a sinner shown because I've been taught that I'm a sinner, therefore I've been programmed by tradition to be, to be told I'm a sinner, and every time I do something that's in the flesh, it just reiterates and reestablishes the wrong teaching that I've had, which actually becomes my truth. But when you teach somebody that they're a new creation and that the old has gone and the new has come and that you, your, your, your nature of sin was co-crucified with Christ who became sin. Not only became sin for you or your sin, but became the sin of the world. Then you are programmed to believe I am the righteousness of Christ. Of God, should I say rather, in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation being. I am a son and a daughter of God. Now, when that becomes established in you, then you mess up. The first thing that happens is the enemy wants to come in and, and, and to create fear and reprogram you to go back into believing, now hang on, if I did this, then it must mean that I'm a sinner. Now, as, as you mature in Christ and as your mind is renewed, what happens is when that happens, you don't go back into that wrong thinking but you reestablish yourself in truth. Do you get Does it make sense to you? It seems like I'm not making sense to anyone. Does anyone having problems understanding it? Yeah. Okay. So, when I was born again, I was born again into a church where they believe that you are still a sinner until the day you die. And the process of your life needs to be that you, um, you've got to fight against this flesh to become this super Christian. And that's going to bring pleasure to God and that's what's going to happen, okay? So, so that's how I lived the first four years of my life as a Christian. But then one day, a reprogramming took place. And that reprogramming took place when, when I, when I, when I heard a man called Rob Rufus teach expository teaching out of multiple texts in the Bible, multiple books in the Bible. And as he was doing that, the mindset of the church was being reestablished. But not only through that, but what happened is through that teaching, he then said, those of you who are sick or unwell, won't you come forward? And we watched people get physically healed before our very eyes. That was an evidence of the truth that he is preaching, which we lived under the law that said that if I'm a sinner, I cannot see that happen. If I'm a sinner, then my sickness is what's causing me to be, then my sin is what's causing me to be sick. And in the midst of that, you going, well, I'm a sinner, that's why I'm sick, and all of a sudden, that person, you get healed, and, you, and then the, your, your reality, your mindset, and your reality starts changing, going, 
hang on a minute, I, I'm, now I'm going to start questioning that truth that I once held to based on the fact that if I'm a sinner, standing here a sinner, and my sickness is because I've been a sinner, and that's why I'm remaining in my sickness, why has God healed me in the midst of that sickness? And so we began to be reprogrammed. Not only that, but as we began to walk in that truth and preach that truth and believe that truth, which is now a reprogramming, God was giving us signs and wonders and miracles to reprogram us to the ways of the kingdom. Did I still operate in the flesh? Absolutely. 100%. Why? Because I'm still based in this fallen world and I'm still going through the process of having my mind renewed, as every Christian would. Into understanding what? That the behavior patterns that I am doing is not my new nature. But it's a part of the pattern of this world that's trying to grip hold of my mind. And I'm not allowing my spirit in those moments to take full control. So that's why Paul writes this. Live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. The old NIV used to say, used to say this, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's so, so wrong. Because it teaches you that if, that you still have a sinful nature, which I've spoken about so many times in this church before, that if you still have a sinful nature, then you need to be born again. It's really that simple. Jesus came to do one thing, to, to eradicate the nature of sin so that you can take on the nature of God and so become his sons and daughters. That's the truth. That's the, that's the gospel. It's part of the gospel. So the process of renewing my mind is this. Let me use the situation with Pharaoh dying. I get to the point where a trauma happens. Now, I have two choices. I either believe what happened once through a trauma, or I choose to believe everything I've experienced up until that moment. What am I going to do? If I believe the truth of, of one experience, which when I think about it, it brings fear to me, and fear is not of God, so I know how to, I how to discern that. And it's, if you look at this here, if I read that texture, the renewing of the mind is this, so that, by, so, so that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. So let me bring it into my, it's easy because my circumstance was traumatic. So I, I've lived through the trauma. It's not a, it's not some fairy tale to me. It's not some hyper, it's not some hyper theory that I've got. It's not something that I've sat there and watched the TV program. I've literally walked through this exact experience. God heals. Or I went through, God doesn't heal when you made sick. It's because you've probably done something wrong and God's just sorting you out. To hang on a minute, that can't be right because all of a sudden I'm experiencing stuff that is contrary to that thing over there. And 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 if God's going to start moving, when I didn't see God move in healing for four years, then all of a sudden now I'm seeing God move every time we preach this message. People are getting healed, delivered, saved. Signs and wonders are taking place. Surely that's going to shift my, my reality. It's going to shift my mindset. Well, I taught this and no one got healed even though we prayed for them. Because every time we spoke, we set them up for failure. Because you go, well, if you're a sinner, you know what I mean? You've done wrong things, that's why you're sick. Well, let's pray for you. Well, you're still doing wrong things, so there's no faith for you to be healed. And I know you're doing wrong things, so I don't have faith for you to be healed. But let's just beg and ask God and no, he doesn't heal you. It was because, you know what, stop doing your bad things. That's four years of my life. To hold a minute, I know the bad things I'm doing, but God's healing. Well, I know that guy, what he's doing, but all of a sudden his eyes are opened. Well, I know that that guy's doing many things wrong. Why? Because he's human, but suddenly he's getting out of a wheelchair. Now all of a sudden, my reality is shifting. My mind's being renewed. So I live with that now for however many years. I, I, I can't do the math right now. But I get to this point where trauma takes place. Now, do I go back to believing that? Or do I go, hang on a minute. I've experienced a reality that aligns itself with the truth of what I see when I look into the Word of God. I choose to believe that. I I choose not to be reprogrammed by fear. Because I can discern 
Because my mind's already been renewed that when fear comes, fear is not of God. Therefore, I've discerned correctly what is the will of God. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? Is that complicated? Does anyone finding this complicated? Just raise your hand. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad because if that is the case, I failed. So let me read that again. Don't be transformed or conformed by the pattern of this world, the pattern of darkness, and the and the so the pattern of darkness and the pattern of men. Don't be conformed to that pattern anymore, but be transformed. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll allow me some. Prof- a poetic licensure, but be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ through the renewing of your mind. So that, so this is what happens, so that when your mind is renewed, you can test and discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is pleasing. Now you take Christians who have had their minds renewed somewhat to this reality, to the reality of who we are as actual sons and daughters of, of, of the Father, as, as um, ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now all of a sudden you put them into the world, into every sphere of life, who are now walking with the renewed mind or a renewing mind where all of a sudden they're more aware of the things of the spirit than they are of the pattern of the world or the traditions of men. Still operating in the flesh from time to time because that's what's going to happen until the day you die. Just learn to deal with it. But on a journey of constantly wanting to move closer and closer in relationship to the Father. Now all of a sudden we're wandering around doing what? discerning what is the good, pleasing will of God. So when you come across something, and all of a sudden someone's sitting there, and they're like, oh, this and that, you're going, ding, ding, that's not the perfect will of God. How? I've just discerned it. Why? Because my mind has been renewed. So let me use an example. If you, don't, if you have not been watching the news as, uh, for the last 10, 15 years, you would realize that this is what's happened. The proverbial poop has hit the fan in the world. It is on everybody, and nobody's escaping it. Now, under the pattern of religion, this is what they will say. God is judging that nation. That's why that person walked in and just bombed a whole of the people in the school and kids died. And, 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 all, and all the Christians that are programmed under that tradition, religion, are all going, that's right, that's because, but you walk into that situation and all of a sudden you see fear and terror and trauma and your discernment is this, um, that's not the will of God. But when you're not renewed in your mind and you live under that religious pattern, guess what happens? You come into agreement, yeah. Your friends at work are talking about it. Other Christians at church, your home group leaders talking about it. The preachers preaching about it. You're watching it on a TV program and you're like, that's right. Yeah, they need to get punished. America needs to go down. Australia needs that bombing in, in Sydney in the Lynn Cafe because that's, you know, we are just sinners. We're just a bunch of filthy people and, and the, the church needs to be, you know, wake up. All of a sudden we come into agreement with that because we're not living under the truth of the kingdom. We are programmed by religion. We are programmed by the pattern of this world. But a renewed mind people, a new creation people walk in and we can change the atmosphere because under religion there is no anointing. But under the kingdom there is an anointing. So when we walk into an environment and all of a sudden you have a discernment that this is wrong, when you speak an anointing comes from you. And anointing disarms religion. Have you ever stood among religious people and all of a sudden they're having their little go? And this has happened to me a number of times in my life, but they're having their go. They're having their religious voice heard as best they can. And it's just judgment and complete distract, uh, disruption to everybody because God is just an angry, scorning God. Okay. And then all of a sudden you walk in there and you throw out a truth that literally just disarms everything they're saying. And they want to argue, but none of them know how to because you've actually brought truth. And they come and they literally end up tripping over their own tongues. Has any, has that ever happened to any of you before? It's happened to me so many times, especially in places like Pakistan and, um, and, and India where the Christian churches there are so religious. It's frightening. And it's happened to me here in Australia. 
Why? Because all of a sudden, I've walked into an environment with a renewed mind because I've experienced a, a different reality. And that different reality started to reprogram me to a truth. And all I did was I stepped in and I spoke that truth. And because I'm now aware of who I am, I allow the Holy Spirit to move out of me. See, religion keeps God locked out, should I say. But sons and daughters and ambassadors allow, allow Jesus to come out of them in those circumstances. Does that, I mean, I don't know if that even, I think I answered your question within that whole thing. But how do I deal with it? Simply this. I need to sit down and I need to take an account for what happened. So many a times I've said, God, what happened? I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually questioning you. I'm doubting you and, and I hope none of you, I hope you know that, that part of the journey of faith is actually doubt. Not that you live in doubt, but, but you have to go through a process of doubt. So you, you, you sit down and you, and you take an account of all of the things that happened. And like David, if you read through the Psalms, this is him. Why is this happening? Why are my enemies overcoming me? Everybody's trampling me. They're coming after my life. You've left me, oh God. What's going on here? Isn't that he, isn't he having a whinge fest? And we go, that's the songs. That's the songs. We must sing those songs. Oh God, you've left me. What's going on? My enemies are trampling on me. Ah, break me down. You cause me affliction. Oh God. I mean, that's, that's not worship, but this is what we call the Psalms. But David is pouring out his heart to God. He can't hear from him anymore. He's laying there in his bed and he feels like God's left him. You used to call me on my cell phone. Like that when I gave my prayers. You used to call me on my cell phone. That's, that's him. I did that for you, babe, because you hate it. <laughs> you can't put the phone down on me. If I sing that song to Naomi on the phone, she just puts it down. And so I thought I'll sing it tonight because there's nothing you can do about it. But, but that's what David's going through. He's going through this process of agony. But he comes to the bottom line of what? But you, O oh God, are who you say you are. You are the great I am. You are the creator God. And so I've got to look at my circumstances, and then I've got to look at you. And then I've got to decide what is going to be my reality. And you do that with the smallest of stupid, foolish muck-ups that you make as a human being. And you do it with the greatest tragedies of losing someone in your life. You do it with everything. It's the same process. I sit down and I take an account of what happened and I take an account of who God is. And then I decide, what's my reality? That circumstance, what's going on in the world around you, the person you just lost through a trauma, and then I decide who's going to program me. Well, I'm a son of God, so this is what's going to program me, what he says. And when he's silent, I hold to the truths that I've experienced. See, if God is silent through a, a time because he's trying to teach me something, not trying to leave me because he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But when God spoke to Abraham, you'll have a son. Then he left him for 40 years and spoke never again to him until he came back 40 years later and says, oh, by the way, let me remind you, you'll have a son. You think he gave him a little pep talk word every week. There was a prophet coming in. Can you please, you know, can everybody come and speak to me and tell me what God said? Okay, Sean, remember, you're going to have a son, buddy. Just tell you. No, God spoke to him once. Deal with it. 40 years later, he's holding to the same word that he got given 40 years ago. There's no evidence of it. His faith has caused him to act upon it. He was sleeping with his wife as best he can to have a son. He didn't just go, oh, it's going to pop out like, you know. He went through that. So he's, he's activating his faith. It's 40 years later of making love to your wife often, of, of trying everything you can, and there was no doctors you could go to then. So he had to just operate as often as he could. You know what I mean? That's the best he could do. Never had a son for 40 years, and then God comes. You're going to have a son. Oh, well, the reality of God shows me that I haven't. No, that's why Abraham had God's righteousness credited to him. Because he never wavered over 40 years. He went, God said he'll do it. No, God said he'll do it. No, God said he'll do it. 40 years later, we, I'm telling you, you and me, one week, we're done. It's not going to happen. Am I right? That's not going to happen. It can't happen. I'll give the, please, the prophets must send me words. I need words to just to encourage me. Because it's been one week and nothing's happened. Come on, for goodness sake. Wake up. Hold to the truth 
of what God said to you. Or where do I find it, Brad? Well, if you open your Bible and you begin to read, the Holy Spirit will breathe onto those pages and the revelation is there. It's there. But most Christians don't open their Bibles. So they don't know what, what it says. The preacher, oh, Brad said that. That's awesome. Next week you forgot. I'm telling you. That's why you have to. You have to do this. I tell you what, when I don't read this, I honestly start to feel very, very um, starved. In actual fact, if I don't read the scriptures for a long period of time, I've be- I actually become confused. Not confused with my faith. and I become confused in what is now truth and what is a lie. I do. I'm not going to lie to you. We, we think that it's, it's a happy year. We're just going to happily go through life. No. If I do not read this for a certain, for a long period of time, and there's been times when I said to God, I don't know if I believe what's in there. I'm not going to read it. And God has been patient and merciful with me the whole way through. Why? Because He understands. Shame, son. You're in pain. You're hurting. I know that, but pick it up and read it. It's going to, I need to reveal something to you. And sometimes God sat very, very silently, just sat quietly, didn't answer me. God, answer me. Why did that happen? Why did it happen? Why won't you answer me, God? Because he doesn't need to. He's quiet. Because he's in my heart, I can hear the still small voice saying this. What is the reality that you've experienced? So why do you doubt? Why do you question? I said the prophet, so I've actually phoned a friend who is a prophet. I said, please, I need you to phone me. I need you to give me some word. Because I'm struggling to hear God. And he never got back to me. And I think it was by the mercy and grace of God he didn't. Because he probably would have come back and had a great word for me. I know he would have. Because he's an encouraging person. So I know the prophetic word or the encouraging word he would have given me would have been great. But that's not what God wanted to do. God wanted to say to me, Brad, you know me. You know who I am. You have walked with me for 15 years of your life. You have walked out of religion and you have walked into freedom and you have seen what I have done over and over again. And now you stand at the crossroads. What are you going to do, son? What are you going to do? Are you going to be reprogrammed by a traumatic event? Or are you going to hold to the truth of what you've experienced for most of your Christian walk? That's what I had to do. That's what I still have to do. Because there are days when the fear comes up. Why? Because the enemy is always trying to reprogram you with fear. He's always trying to predetermine a traumatic event that's going to take place. Think about it. He's always going... You see, if that happened, that can also happen. And then I can go, oh, what if that happens? What if that happens? And then I've got to go, hold on a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm being slowly being reprogrammed into a pattern that is of darkness. So I have to be quiet and go, hang on a minute. I need to just go back to the Word. I need to go and pray. I need to worship. I need to think. I need to speak to someone who's going to help me to go and hang on, Brad. Don't allow that to reprogram you. Be Continue to be programmed and follow the system of the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what's going to bring freedom. And I discern, it's easy for me to discern that. I'll talk to Naomi and all of a sudden there'll be a fear that'll spark off in me through something. And I'll say to her, I know that that's of the enemy. Why? Because I've already learned how to discern what is the will of God. It's not the will of God to take loved ones from you. It's not the will of God to give disease and sickness to punish you for things. So when, I, when, 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 when a fear comes of losing someone that I love, all of a sudden that's, that's fear that's coming up and I've got to discern and go, that's not it. That's not it. Does it mean that I don't have that thought? No. Because it's a constant battle. But it's what I do with that thought that counts in the long run. Because if I give way to that thought and I meditate on that thought, which becomes the dangerous part, it's not that the thought comes there because the thought is put there subconsciously through the pattern of this world or through the pattern of darkness. It comes in, bang, the thought hits you. What you do with that thought, if you begin to meditate on it and believe it, then it starts to transform your reality. Then it starts to reprogram you. Do you see what I'm saying? Now you take Christians who I want, like I said before, this is my closing uh, statement now. You take Christians who are being renewed to the understanding and the pattern of the kingdom of heaven and you put them into the world and wherever they go, they're able to discern that's not the will of God, that's the will of God, that's not the will of God, that's the will of God. And not only that, but when they understand that that's not the will of God, they know what to do to shift it. Now you're going to change the world. Now we're going to start to force darkness, put it on the back foot and push it out. That's what we're going to do with this new church plant. 
on the Gold Coast is we're going to establish a, a, a kingdom of light that's going to push back darkness. How are we going to do it? By taking people out of captivity and bringing them into freedom and then cr- causing them to become disciples, little Jesuses. Whether you're in school as a teacher, whether you're in school as a student, in a university, sitting in an office, or you're a stay-at-home mom, or you're a businessman that sits in a boardroom, or you're a pilot that flies, or you're a professional sportsman, it makes no difference. But you're putting people with renewed minds into the work, into the community around them, and you allowing, and you teaching them, sorry, how to change society from the inside out. Little by little by little. And maybe in two generations' time, we will look on from heavenly places as a great cloud of witnesses and see the fruit of what we established 50, 60, 70 years before. But we know we started something. Do you see? Abraham was told that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Go outside, Abraham, count the stars. I can't, there are too many. That's going to be your descendants. How many children did Abraham have? Come on. Were they as numerous as the stars in the sky? Uh Uh-uh. But as Abraham sits as a great cloud of as part of the great cloud of witnesses, and he looks down from time to time as God gives him opportunity to do so, I believe that if you're a a witness, you get to witness. (laughs) Okay? You actually get, you're not called the great cloud of witnesses because you sit there in darkness. You actually get to witness what's happening. So as the souls of men enter into heaven, as they pass from this side of eternity into that side of eternity, and as God opens opportunities, if he does so, for, for the great cloud to look down upon the earth and see what's happening, do you think Abraham now sees his descendants as numerous as the stars? Absolutely. But Abraham walked in faith then, and he learned how to build for another generation. That's something we've lost in our day and age. We build for ourselves and ourselves only. That's, that's the millennial generation. I'm sorry, but it needs to change. Actually, not the millennial, sorry. It's Generation X. The boomer and Generation X were all this. We must build, we must build. And then Generation X came. We're sort of off the back of that hardworking, but we wanted to be a little bit more free. But the millennial generation is, is getting into a place where they're wanting to change society again. The billionaires of the millennial generation don't want to accumulate yachts and holiday houses. What they want to do is use their money to change society. That's a kingdom principle that God is using in the stones because the church isn't doing it. And as we renew our minds, we'll begin to go, that's what we've got to do. We've got to start building in that way, in that pattern. And that's the importance of the renewing of the mind. It's the simplicity of it. You can either begin, you can either believe a lie that's been sold to you, or an event that's tried to change you if you've been beginning, if you've been believing the truth to begin with, and an event will take place. Let me tell you this. All of us will have some event in our lives that will create fear. And that could, like, it can be that you lose your job. Fear. You lose your money. Fear. You lose a loved one. Fear. You're about to have a baby. How many times do you think the enemy has come and tried to bring fear? You can count on your hands 15 times over. Am I right? Not any fear of the baby not being born alive, but fear of what will happen to that baby's life. That will come through your life. And because the world is trying to reprogram you. It's evident. But we go, no, hang on a minute. We'll believe the truth. We'll, we'll choose to believe who God says he is. Amen? Why don't we pray? Does that make sense to people? There's so much more. I can't remember the name of the book now, but I can give it to you if you text me. I can send it to you. But I haven't read the whole book yet. But there's a lot more in that. I didn't want to go into in some of the depths. I'm still reading through it myself and I'm gleaning. But I threw some of his examples in through some of the revelation that I've walked in myself because I felt that his examples enhanced the revelation. My revelation was here. I learned from someone who's got a revelation here. It helps me to get up to that point. I can unteach it to you. Father, I pray that you know you would come and just help us to understand the truth. It's, it's, we can start tonight with a, a journey of, of going into praying for renewal of minds and, and or we can ask you just to come and breathe on us, Holy Spirit, and and begin this journey somewhere.
for us. I pray that people tonight would have caught just something, just a small something of what it is to have the mind renewed. So much so that that small little seed would grow very quickly into a big tree within their hearts. I really felt for people that when I shared that revelation, that just shared that understanding, that concept of the bad cook, and then suddenly an event happens that changes that. That, that for some people is, is a reality. That that's, I think you understood that quite well. I also, I also think that many have had that pattern of thinking that I am, that it's a negative thought pattern. It's a negative, and then every time you do something wrong, it, you, you feel like it's reestablishing the bad teaching that you are. You're just a filthy sinner who, who, who needs to just sort your life out because God's not happy with you. Father, let those mindsets shift. We, we ask you that you would renew our hearts to the understanding of the truth of your word. I pray that as people pick up their Bibles this week and just begin to read, they won't just be seeing the text on a page as they do their daily Bible reading, but you would begin to breathe Holy Spirit on the pages of that Bible and you would begin to reveal the revelation of the truth of your word that is contained within those pages. That it will no longer become information that we fill our minds with so that we've got an answer. It will no longer be scriptures that we quote over ourselves like well wishes and hoping that something good is going to come of them, but they actually become revelation seeds that establish themselves deep in our hearts and begin to grow so that we begin to be transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ our Savior. Break off all the bad mindsets, Lord. Take away the traumatic fears that the enemy tries to bring. Help us through the renewing of our mind to discern what is the good and the perfect and the pleasing will of God. And that we know that when something happens, if that is that it is not your will, we stand against it and walk in truth, and if it is your will, that we embrace it and continue to walk forward in it. But we ask that you would start the process, Father, of helping us to renew our minds. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just, even now, as I I pray this word, that you just breathe upon every single person in this place. I also just want to pray against anyone that goes and tries to strive in the flesh towards this, but finds peace and rest as Abraham did to just hold on to that word of truth no matter what he went through. That no matter what we're going through, we, we hold to the word of truth. We know. We know who you are. Even as our world around us shakes, even as our own lives may shake, we know in our hearts, in our minds, and in our spirit that we are firmly established in Jesus Christ, unshakable, unbreakable, uncondemnable, perfect sons and daughters, completely and absolutely connected to the Father through Jesus, never left by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, if our flesh shakes, let our flesh shake. If the world shakes, let the world shake. Because it it is shaking of all of the things that are not of you. But may our hearts and our minds be firmly established in the truth that our spirit already knows that you are who you say you are and you will never change. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I know that it can be a bit complicating. I, I, I know that this teaching is both profound, but I also believe it's quite simple. And that's the real, that is what truth is. It's profound. It's so deep, but it's, but it's so simple. And the, I hope that you were able to take something pr- that you can practically apply. That's the key element. You know, if we've got information and we're like, ooh, such good information, but, but you don't know how to practically apply it, well, then it's pointless. Then we are, then we are catering to the Greek mindset again. But everything in the Hebrew culture was, it was, you could take it and outwork it tomorrow, today. I, I, honestly, as I as I read, and as I prepared the sermon tonight, I, I just felt for myself personally how to practically apply it. I was like, I can practically, and I'm a preacher. I've walked this, and I've and I've I've lived in measures of this. But I just thought I know how to practically apply this to my life at a whole new level. 
And I became excited to teach it to you because I thought, I guarantee you, people are going to walk out and go, I can apply that to my life today. And if that's what you get, and you walk out here and tomorrow you start applying it, I think that by, you know, by the next month, you'll see a substantial transformation in your life. And what I mean by that is there will be just a joy that will return and a peace that will come. You may not be floating on clouds and, you know, shooting fire out of your fingers. We're not looking for that. What we're looking for is an establishment of truth which brings about a peace and a joy. No matter what happens, your joy never goes and your peace never goes. You may be going through the worst time of your life, but you're just going to be full of joy and full of peace. You may not laugh through it all, but you're going to be unwavered. That's what we're looking for. Because let's face facts here. We're not looking for fire out of fingers. <laughs> we're looking for people that are firmly established in righteousness, peace, and joy. Because that's the kingdom. Amen? Enjoy your week. And we will see you next week um, at Southport.